Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Take your Bible, Jonah chapter 1, for these next few moments together, Jonah chapter 1. And uh, I just want to read a few verses here this morning, and then we'll go ahead and and, uh, jump right into this passage, Jonah chapter 1. The Bible says in verse number 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Father, I pray this morning that you'd help us. Lord, I'm sure we have people in different places this morning. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, by the end of this message this morning, if there's anyone here that is not a fully devoted, committed follower of Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that we would give our hearts in total surrender to you. Father, I pray that you would bless this church moving forward. I'm so thankful for what God is, for what you're doing here in this place and the way that you're working amongst these people. I pray that you would continue to to use them as they surrender their lives to you. Bless these next few moments that we have together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Jonah chapter one is very interesting. I I, I love how this um, how this begins. We've we've heard about this uh, uh, this man Jonah. Some have called him the misdirected missionary. Some have called him the wrong way prophet. Here's a man that that should know better, right? Here's a man that if anybody knows about God, if anybody knows how good it is to be in step with God, if anybody knows that they should be a committed follower of God. It's got to be the prophet of God. It's got to be Jonah. And yet here in this passage, we find a, a man that in this passage anyway is, is not totally committed. And I want to challenge you this morning for the next few moments that God's way is always the best way. You've got so many things in front of you as a church. I'm so excited about what God's doing. We're, as your pastor said, about three years ahead of you in, in, uh, in not just age, but also uh, about three years. It's amazing what has happened in the last three years as far as our building project and, and all of that's concerned. I, I'm looking at where you are right now. I saw some of the materials that you have. I see the vision that the pastor's laid out in front of you. I see the task that is before you. I see the finances that are necessary. And I want you to know my church relates so much with your church. My, my church heard this many, many times over several years, I would get up and say, wow, this is going to be awesome. We're looking for some, some great days, and God's going to do something awesome, and, and we're going to break ground. And I, and I used the word over and over again. I used the word soon. You know, I'd, hey, it's going to be soon, and we're going to see this soon, and it's going to be awesome soon, and when we get this money, it's going to be soon, and, and this building will be able to reach more people soon. And, and I started having people come to me all the time, Pastor, what does soon mean? Well, you know, I told our church once, I said, hey, I got good news and bad news. I said, the good news is we have the money to pay for our building. Amen? You know, and they, amen. You know, and I said, the bad news is it's still in your pockets. You know, we, uh, 
So sometimes they said, hey, listen, we're going we're gonna to get there. It's, it's going to take us some time to get there. We're going to get there. And, and we're just now getting to the phase where, where uh, I look back about three years ago when we didn't have any real reason to be talking to an architect, but out of faith, we started taking the steps that, that your church is, is taking. And here's what I know about our church. It is not taken one person's obedience. It has taken a church full of obedient people. It's not enough for the pastor and his wife to be committed. They are committed. You talk about committed people. They've been here for, for 11 plus years, lived in the church basement six months. That's committed. But it's going to take more than a committed pastor and wife and family. It's going to take more than a committed staff. We've got an amazing staff. I've been so impressed this, this weekend seeing your staff serve you and love you and, and serve in this place. You've got a great staff. You've got a committed staff, but it's going to take more than a committed staff. It's going to take a church that is willing to, in lockstep together, follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to take families that are willing to make some sacrifice. It's going to take some some dads in this building here this morning that are willing to stand up and say, you know what, we're going to take a step of faith here. I'm going to lead my family to do something that we've never done before. We're going to take a step of faith. We're going to put ourselves out on the edge a little bit. We're going to get out of our comfort zone, and we're going to trust the Lord. And here in Jonah 1, at least at the beginning, we don't see that in Jonah. We don't see that I am all in. We don't see that full surrender. We don't see that commitment at the beginning of this passage. As a matter of fact, as we look at Jonah chapter 1, we see a man of God who is running away from God. We see someone that should know better that is not surrendered in this moment. And I want you to see a couple things here. First of all, he says in verse number one, the word of the Lord came into Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, by the way, don't you wish that was the way it was today? Lord, if you just, if you just talk to me like that, I'd do it. I mean, you, you, hey, listen, how awesome would it be if, to be Moses? Out on the backside of a desert, you see a, a bush that's burning but not being consumed. I mean, I, I'm going to go over and hey, I'm interested. And all of a sudden, you, you hear this voice, take off thy, thy sandals, the place that thou standest is holy. How awesome would that be? If I heard a voice from heaven, I'm just telling you right now, I'd listen to what it said. Wouldn't you? How many say, well, if I heard a voice from heaven, if I believed it was God, if it was thundering voice, I'd, I'd do what it said. I, if I believed God was speaking, I would absolutely do whatever God said to do. But can I tell you this today? We have in our hands a book that God has spoken to each and every one of us. If I told you this morning that I had the location today that God was going to speak, this morning, if I said, hey, I was at, at, uh, at Moses Lake, I was at a park, it was a festival out there yesterday, and, and, and I knew, I, I, I had information from God that he was going to speak audibly in that place this afternoon at one o'clock. I'm telling you, if you believed me, you'd be there. You'd want to hear the voice of God. Can, can I just remind us this morning that we have the voice of God today through the word of God? Aren't you thankful that, that, that right here in our hands, we can wake up every single day and we can receive from God exactly what we need to hear? Sometimes I need to hear encouragement. There are days in my life that I, that I feel like a failure. 
that there are days in my life I, I, I feel like I don't have that much value. A lot of people say that, that Mondays are tough on pastors. I've had a lot of Mondays that I've wanted to quit. God, I, I can't preach. I, I don't know why you've, you've put me as a pastor of a church. I, I, I just, you know, if I could just go and work real estate, that'd probably be better. You know, just let me go sell houses. I mean, that's probably better. I, I've, I've wanted to quit on a lot of Mondays. I've, I've needed the voice of God. There have been days I've needed to hear that, no, 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 you're, you're the mouthpiece. You are, you are the, the perf person that I have created. You're the, the, the pastor that I've put in that place. You have value. And listen, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. There are times that I've needed to be corrected, haven't you? There are times that I get, just like anybody else, frustrated over broken relationships. There are times that, that, that I feel like I've been done wrong in my church. And, and you know, to be perfectly honest, there have been times I have been done wrong. There have been things said about me that, that weren't right. And sometimes it's easy for me to get really judgmental and start to get bitter until I come back to the voice of God and I open it up and I read it and God says, hey, hold on a minute. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Hey, because Jesus died for you, you need to also, because he forgave you, you need to be forgiving other people. Don't, aren't you glad that we've got this book in your lap this morning that we can read? Hey, listen, don't ever despise the word of God that you have on your lap today. My soul, if, if we didn't make another decision this morning other than I want to love the voice of God, I want to hear from God, I'm going to read this book every single day of my life, it will change your life if that's all you got today. If, if you're looking for a place to start, go to Proverbs. Do the, uh, you know, each day uh, to take that proverb. Today is, uh, what's today, the 25th, 26th, uh, 25th. Uh, take Proverbs 25 this morning. Read Proverbs 25. It'll, it'll change your life to hear the voice of God. And here in this passage, we find that Jonah hears the voice. Wow, if, if I could just hear the voice of God, it'd be amazing. You have access to the voice of God today. Then in verse 2. Jonah responds, however, in a way that oftentimes I respond to the voice of God. Verse 2, we hear the clear cry, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. Verse number 3, here it is. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, let me ask you something. Can, can you flee the presence of the Lord? The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. I don't know about you. I think every person sees God a little bit differently. Uh, I grew up in a home that, that uh, my dad could be kind of hard on me. And uh, if you grew up in a home like that, uh, then, then sometimes your default belief about God when you think about your God, you kind of picture God with a frown. I could never, I could never seemingly please my dad. And, and so sometimes with, with my God, I, I, I can't please God. And, and here's what I've begun to realize over the years. My God loves me. 
He loves me so much he sent his son Jesus to die in my place. And the Bible says that he sees the evil and the good. And boy, for years I think, well, I know, I know. God sees the evil. He's always after me. He's always upset with me. He's always got a frown. No, no, he also sees the good. By the way, Jonah's gonna need God to be hearing him and listening to him. And do you know this? You're only ever one prayer away from God. James says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You are only one. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter how you're living. You're one prayer away from God. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that verse. I love one of the, ver- one of the words in that verse is so interesting. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Wait, 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 that doesn't make faithful. And I would think he'd say faithful and merciful. Faithful and benevolent. Faithful and gracious to to forgive me my sin. But he doesn't say that. He says faithful and just. Why is he just? Because Jesus already paid for that sin. It wouldn't be just to, to have Jesus pay for a sin and then you have you pay for that exact same sin. No, no, it is under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's faithful and just, but it's our responsibility to ask him to, to forgive us of that sin. You are never more than one prayer away from having a right relationship with your God. Verse number three, Jonah runs and there's a phrase here that, that I think is so interesting. I don't think, I don't believe, I don't think God ever wastes words in the scriptures. Did you ever think, did you ever read, a, uh, read through a, a book and just think, well, if, if God, if you wouldn't have made it so long, it would have really helped my annual Bible reading plan. Like I, I'd get through it a lot faster, you know, it wouldn't be. If you had just not spent, no, I don't think he wastes any words. I think every word that God gives us is on purpose. And watch what he says in the, in the middle of verse number three. He says that Jonah found a ship going to Tarshish. And watch what it says. So he paid the fare thereof. So, so Jonah shows up the shipyard, and I don't know what it looked like. I'm not, I, listen, I've been, I, I went on a Greyhound bus one time in my life. I was, I was gonna go surprise my, my fiance, well, my girlfriend in Jacksonville, Florida. I got on a Greyhound bus from Salt Lake City, Utah, and I went all the way to Jacksonville, Florida. If you've never been on a Greyhound bus, that is a scary, scary drive. I had a couple. I had a diamond ring in my leather jacket, and listen, I I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up clutching that that diamond ring and just making sure that that it was still there. There was some sketchy characters on that Greyhound bus. I remember getting there, and and uh, they, they had these little counters, and they had the, like these little LED signs, and, and it kind of showed you kind of, okay, this one's going to, to, to um, St. Louis, Missouri. This one's headed to Dallas, Texas, different place. So, so I kind of picture that. You know, I don't know, Joan. I don't think they had LED in this day, but I'm just kind of in my mind. I'm, I'm picturing he walks in, and, and he, sees, he sees a couple places. I mean, he can, he can head off to where God wants him to go, Nineveh, but he also sees this one going out to Tarshish. Did you know that the devil always gives you a counterfeit? Whenever God calls you to do something in your life, the devil's gonna try to let you off the hook. 
He's going to give you somewhere else to go. Something else to do. God, I know you want me to, um, uh, to go here and do this. And, and the devil's going to start offering you some other things that are a little bit more convenient, that, that are a little easier, that are a little bit more in your comfort zone. And, and Jonah walks in and he sees he's got some options and, and he walks up, he makes the wrong choice and the Bible says these words. So he paid the fare thereof. Why in the world does the, the, the Bible record that he pays the fare thereof? Why? It doesn't tell us anything about his day. Why go through the detail of him pulling out his script, his wallet, and, and going through his... Why, why give... Didn't tell us where he, where he slept that night. Doesn't tell us where he went and ate that morning. Doesn't tell us how long of a trip it was. And you say, well, of course it doesn't. Those things don't matter. Of course it doesn't tell us all that. So why does he tell us this? Doesn't it almost feel to you like God is giving Jonah a message, but us one too? Hey, it's, it's, it's okay, Jonah. You, you, you can choose. You, you've got a free will. I'm not going to force you to do what you don't want to do. But doesn't it kind of feel a little bit like this? Jonah, you can go where you want to go. You can do what you want to do. But I'm just telling you, Jonah, if you don't obey me, you're on your own. You ever heard this phrase where God guides, God provides? Have you ever seen that in your life? Have you ever taken a step of faith and seen God Meet you in your need. I've, I've, I've pastored many people over the years. I've talked to hundreds of Christians over the years. Do you know one thing that I've always, always, I've never heard the opposite. Every time I've talked to somebody who has made a commitment to God, I hear it all the time. God has come through. I, I've talked to people that, have made decisions to tithe. I've had, I've had people come to me, Pastor, I don't know about this tithing thing. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, you're talking about 10% of my income. I just don't know how I'm going to live on 10 And do you realize that when I talk to people like this, a year after that, two years after that, three years after that, they will give testimony every single time. Pastor, I don't know how it happened, but God has met our needs. I love the story of True at Kathy. Do you love Chick-fil-A here? No. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry for you. Chick-fil-A Christian chicken. It's, it's, it's good. It's delicious. We, we have two of them in Castle Rock, Colorado. We got two Chick-fil-A's. Go to Texas. They'll have some Chick-fil-A's. Go in the south. Do you know True at Kathy started? Chick-fil-A has been one of the uh, one of the leading fast food restaurants. I mean, you see these things. They're, when you go to a Chick-fil-A, when you drive by Chick-fil-A, they are packed. Every time you go by there, you're gonna, now they're quick. I mean, I, I'm telling you, they, they know what they're doing. They got, they got it together over there. They're fast. But when you go by there, they're always full. And do you know what the owner, what the founder said? True, Kathy said this. He was gonna close on Sundays and has done that for, for many, many years. And everyone in the restaurant business said, True, Kathy, if you do not have your business open, you'll never make it. Here's what they said. 20% of a fast food restaurant's business is done on Sunday. True, You'll never make it if you're not open on Sunday. Here's what True Kathy said. If I can't make it, 
in six days with God's blessing, I will never make it in seven without it. What a great statement. If I can't make it in six days with God's blessing, I'll never make it in seven without it. And do you see what has happened? In the, God has provided. David said it like this. He said, I was young. Now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. I, I, I don't know where you're at right now in your level of commitment. This doesn't even have to be a financial commitment. It, it just simply may, may be uh, the Lord leading you to get out of your comfort zone and doing something else. It may just simply be God speaking to your heart about saying yes to some area, whether it's evangelism or witnessing to a neighbor or, or whatever this looks like. But, but I just want you to know that when you say yes to God, God has a way of providing for your needs. So he paid the fare thereof, went down into the ship to go with them, in verse number three, to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Look at verse five. Then the mariners were afraid. How bad does this storm have to be for the mariners to be afraid, for the sailors? Matter of fact, the word we get here is, is seismos. I mean, this is, this is like earthquake type. This is a major storm. They cry, every man in was God. And watch what they do in verse number five. They're so afraid that they want to keep this, this ship afloat. They, they want to keep it light enough to stay on top of the waves. And so what do they do? The Bible says that they cast forth the wares into the sea to lighten it of them. So what do they do? They're going down to the sides of the ship and they're going to grab up the wares, the cargo. They want to lighten the ship, make it more buoyant. And so they're going down into the sides of the ship and they're, and they're grabbing things up, things that they can afford to lose. They're throwing these things over so that they can, they can be buoyant enough to, to, to make it through the storm. And now if you've got to go down into the ship and you've got to throw some things out, what are you looking for? Things you can afford to lose. You may go down there and say, well, here's this big old barrel of broccoli. We don't, we don't need that. We get rid of that, you know, so you grab that up and, and toss that over to the side. And, and maybe you come down again and you see your buddy's footlocker. You don't need that. You know, he'll be, he'll be okay without it. I mean, if we, if we don't make it through this, we're not going to need it. So, so, so we take the buddy's footlocker, we throw that over the side, and, and maybe we come back down there and now we got the currency, you know, and, and we're going to keep the money. Let's hold on. We may make it. We're going we're gonna to hold on to that. But, but there's these other things that we start throwing over the side. And don't sometimes as Christians we do this. God brings a storm into your life. By the way, he brings that storm in your life because he loves you. As a father who loveth his son, so he chastens him. He wants, to, he wants to bring him back again. So he allows a storm. He brings a storm into your life. What do we do sometimes? We, we go down into our heart and we say, okay, God, what, 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 do you, what, what is it going to require? What is the least I can do? to satisfy you in this moment. 
What's the limit? What? Okay, all right, Lord. You want me to be more faithful to church? And, all right, all right, I'll go more often. And, and so we take that and we, and we throw it over the side. Or, or, or maybe it's some habit that you're involved in. You say, you know what? This really doesn't honor God. I, I need to, I'll go ahead and give that up. And we, we kind of throw that over the side. We, we, we kind of give God these little, these little trinkets, these little tokens, these, these little pieces of us that, well, well God, hopefully this is gonna, this will appease you. Hopefully you'll be satisfied. Did you ever thought about this? God was, was not going to be satisfied. The storm is not going to stop until a life is surrendered. Did you ever wonder sometimes, why, why, why am I still going through this? Why do you, do you recognize that, that there are times in our lives that it's because God is trying to get our attention. He doesn't want a part of you. He wants all of you. It is for your good. It is for your benefit. But it's even more than that for his glory. He's looking for every single part of you. And some of us have put a toe in. Some of us have said, well, God, I'll do a little bit over here and a little bit over here. And God is saying, no, I want every part. Watch what happens. This shipmaster in verse 6 comes to Jonah. He says unto him, What meanest thou, sleeper, arise? Call upon thy God, if, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, Everyone to his fellow come, and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot falls upon Jonah. And they said unto him, Listen to this. What a, what a sad phrase. Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. Here's the phrase. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? That's a, that's a sad statement. You say, Pat, I don't, I, boy, I, I don't, why is that so sad? He's the prophet of God. If anybody on that ship should have been known. If, if anybody on that ship, if, if anyone should have been known by who he was, it should have been the prophet of God. If anybody, if, if, if they knew anyone's occupation on that ship, it should have been Jonah's occupation. If, it, if, if anybody should have been known by what he was doing, it should have been Jonah. If anybody should have been somebody that they knew who he was and who he was about, it should have been Jonah. Am I, are you seeing that? He, he's the prophet of God, Jonah. This is your responsibility. This is your life. This is what you do. You are sleeping literally on the job. You've got these people that need to be hearing from God, hearing about God, Jonah. What is wrong with you? But before we're too hard on Jonah, I think it might be good to stop and look at ourselves. You are to be the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Go ye into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Hey, this morning, if, if we're sitting here in this service and you looked up and your hairdresser or your mechanic or your neighbor 
walked into the back room and, and they saw you and, and they, they met eyes with you, would they say something like, oh, wow, what an amazing coincidence. We're, we're both visiting the same church on the same day. Or would they say, this is the church you've been talking about. Oh, I knew you went to church because you've been talking about Jesus so much. I, I, I knew you've invited me. I didn't realize this was the place. Or would, would they say, hey, we're here today because you've been inviting me and you've been talking about this so much. Sometimes we get so hard on these, these Bible characters. Jonah, what is wrong with you? Jonah, where are you at? Jonah, where is your influence? And in the generation we're living right now, the average Christian does not tell anybody about Jesus. Listen, you, you, you've been called to something greater. Some of us have one step, one foot in the church. Yeah, we're members of that church. Yeah, we give to that church. Yeah, we faithfully attend that church. Yes, we teach children's ministry in that church. Yes, we sing there at that church. Yes, we're part of the missions program at that church. Yes, we volunteer here at this church. Let me tell you something. We ought also be winning the world to Christ out of this church. You see, some of us have, have been throwing some things over to the Lord, but, but everything is not done yet. And you've got neighbors and you've got coworkers and you've got friends and, and you've got opportunities that the pastor will never have, that the staff will never have, that your Sunday school teacher is never gonna have, that you are called to learn as much as you can about who Jesus is so you can go out into the world and share all of what you're learning to that lost and dying world that's around you. They look at Jonah and they say, who are you? What are you about? What do you do for a living? And I think too many of our neighbors would have to look at us and say, I really don't know what so-and-so is about. I really don't know. Hey, I don't know where they're going on Sunday. I know they're not home on Sunday. I don't really know what they're doing on Sunday. And shame on us for falling into the same category that Jonah falls into in verse eight. Watch what happens in verse nine. He says unto them, I'm a Hebrew. I think he's ashamed when he says this. He drops his head. I believe I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. And watch this in verse number 10. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, why hadst thou done this? Do you know what's happening? They are rebuking the man of God. The world does not believe the same things that we believe, but the world does not respect somebody who says they believe one thing and does another. The world may not agree with you, but I'd sure rather them respect me than agree with me. I'd sure rather them look at me and say, well, I don't agree with what he says. I don't agree with what he believes, but he sure agrees and believes. He sure is convinced that this is the right thing because what he says he believes and what he does are the same. Watch what happens in, in verse 11. They said unto him, what shall we do to thee? Verse 12, he says, take me up, cast me forth into the sea. 
Verse 13, they try to, to try to row so they don't have to go through all of that. And, and so they're, they're going to try to escape this. But verse 14, they, they finally, they, they give up. In verse 15, they take him up and they cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and, and made vows. Oh, no, what do we do now? Uh-oh. I don't know what to do now. I mean, God, did you think about this? What are you going to do? I mean, they just threw the prophet over the side of the ship. By the way, Jonah's angry. He's so angry, he would rather die than, than give truth to the Ninevites. That's where, he's, that's where he is at. He would rather die than do what God is calling him to do. And so they take him and they, and they throw him overboard, and, and he is angry. By the way, um, <laughs> I, I, anyone in this room ever have flannel graph stories? You ever, anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay, several of you know flannel graph. It's, it's a little felt, um, uh, you know, that flannel graph. I remember growing up, we had the flannel graph stories. And, and you know, you, one, one weekend it was Joseph, and uh, he had a coat of many colors on. And the next week it was the same dude, but he didn't have the coat on, and it was Moses now, and he's got a staff next to him, you know, when he's in the Red Sea. And, and uh, the next week it might even be Jesus, you know, when he's got the, the, you know, the five loaves and, and, and whatever. And I just remember that, that watching this flannel graph, what well, well, one day, they, the teacher's talking about Jonah, and they throw the flannel graph story up, and they throw Jonah up there, and Jonah is sitting inside of this great fish. He's got logs, and he's got a fire. I can't get a fire started at a campsite in dry weather. I don't know how he does it, but he, in the flannel graph stories, he does it, and this fire's going, and, and Jonah is sitting there like this, and his eyebrows are like this, and he's mad. How does, how does he get there? Look at what verse 17 says. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So interesting. The Lord had prepared a great fish. Now, when Jonah meets this fish, it's a great fish, large enough to be able to, to ingest a man. And, and by the way, I believe that. I, I believe that. I, I, I'm so tired of the world uh, trying to take the miracles of God. You know what I'm tired of more than that? I'm tired of preachers trying to take away from the miracles of God. Now listen, if God can save your soul, if God can send his son Jesus, if God can do the things that he says he's going to do one day, we, we need a God that can do some miraculous things. I was sitting around the, a table uh, several years ago with a family member, and we were talking about somehow it was a Thanksgiving, and somehow uh, the Red Sea parting came up, and, uh, and um, uh, she, was, she was trying to dismiss it. Well, uh, you know, scientists, um, you know, actually say that it wasn't that deep. It might have only been a few inches at that time. Da, da, da. I, I, it reminded me. I, I remember hearing from a, 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 an illustration. There was a, uh, there was a man that he's sitting reading his newspaper, and the little kid is over here reading his Bible, and and the little kid's reading through Exodus, and all of a sudden, the the little kid over there, he goes, "Wow!" The dad goes, uh, <clears throat> "Read his paper, uh, son. What what what's going on?" 
Dad, you are not going to believe this. But, 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 but Moses just, God just in the Red Sea, I mean, opened it right up and they walked across on, on dry ground. Well, the dad was, of course, way smarter than the little boy. And, and the dad was a skeptic. And the dad said, well, I just want you to know that, that science has told us at that time of year, it, and it probably was just a few inches of water. And so it, it really wasn't the, it, it might have just actually been, it wasn't the miracle that you think it was. It was probably just about three inches of water or so. Boy kind of, oh, okay. You know, boy's reading again. And a few minutes later, wow. Dad says, son, what, what is it now? God just drowned all of those Egyptians with three inches of water. <laughs> I, I get tired of, of dismissing. We have a miraculous God. They can do miraculous things. Well, well Jonah, he's going to be in this great fish. Where does this great fish come from? The Bible says that God prepared a great fish. Now think about this, uh, and, and just be imaginative with me for just a moment. I, I just kind of picture this, this great fish at some point being a small fish. It has a, it has a, a point of origin. It's, it's, got, it's, 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 it's been birthed at some point. We've got this or hatched or whatever a, a fish does. Uh, hatched, I believe, is correct. Uh, and so, so you've got this. Little, hey, have you ever seen these little fish? These, um, they're minnows. They're little small things. And they're very susceptible to prey. You see these little fish, and, and there's larger fish that prey on them. There's disease that, that, that they often succumb to and they die. But, but can I tell you this? That there, there is no barracuda bigger fish. There is no disease that's going to kill this fish. You want to know why they're not going to kill this fish? Because God was preparing this fish. And I don't know what, we're kind of in a fishing area. I was talking to some, and, and the pastor uh, took me by uh, a river uh, just a couple days ago, and they've got salmon fishing in there, and, and uh, you, you all know fishing, right? So, so, so as this fish gets a little bit larger, I mean, it's kind of one of those fish that you want to, that'd be a nice one. I want to put that fish on my wall, and, and I don't know if how you are as a fisherman, but, but if I see a fish jump in the water, that's where I'm going. You, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to head that direction. I'll probably uh, drop a bobber right on top of its head. You know, it's probably not the best way to do it, but that's kind of how I, how I do it. Oh, there it is. It's the one over there, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it over that direction, but let me tell you something. I don't care how good of a fisherman you are. You're not catching this fish. Did you want to know why you're not catching this fish? You're not catching this fish. You want to know why? Because God was preparing this fish. And I don't know, I've got an overactive imagination. Sometimes I, I think maybe there was a a big whaling ship out there, you know, and this and this 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 fish is now this fish is a great fish. Now it's I mean, you talk about they could be fed for a long time on this fish, and, and you got a guy up in the top and he's he's searching the waters and, and all of a sudden he yells out, Here she blows, and, and the guy with the harpoon, boom. They're not shooting this fish. You want to know why they're not shooting this? Because God was preparing this fish. And, and one day, this, this great fish now is, is swimming over in these waters, and, and God turns him, and now all of a sudden, he's, he, he's moved over to these waters, and all of a sudden, this great fish looks up, and the biggest worm it's ever seen falls into the water right in front of him. It's Jonah. You ever think about this? 
We are so scared of giving everything to God because we don't know how it's all going to work out. I can't tithe. I'm not sure we can make it. I can't talk to my neighbor about Jesus. I'm not sure how they'll respond. I can't be all totally committed in this church because I don't know how it's going to end. Can I ask you something? If God could prepare and protect and guide and provide for a fish, what do you think he'd do for you? What do you think God would do, could do with a child of God who is absolutely, totally, 100% dependent on him? When I was reading about this fish a moment ago, I said, hey, nobody's going to shoot that fish. And you're all like, yeah, that's right. God's got his hand on that fish. Hey, no, no, no predator is going to eat this fish. You all looked at me. Yeah, that's right, because God's taking care of that fish. And when I said no one's going to catch it, you're all looking at me like it's just assumption. Yeah, nothing's messing. We get it, Pastor Tate. Nothing's messing with that fish because God's got its hand on that fish. Why can we understand that so clearly and yet be so afraid and reluctant to place our own lives in the hands of this good, all-knowing, all-providing, all-protecting God? I was just telling you a minute ago that we met with an architect about three years ago. We, we really had no business three, four years ago meeting with an architect. We didn't have any money. We had, we had, just, <laughs> we, we, we had just bought property. We had zeroed out our bank account. 2018, we zeroed out our bank account to buy the property. I immediately met with an architect. We went out there. By faith, our church started moving forward. And, and, and God has, has just provided in, in miraculous ways, ways that, that, that we never would have been able to imagine that, that he would have been able to take care of us. But in the middle of all of this, our church had been raising money, and we got to a place. And in four years, our church raised $5.5 million for the building. It, it, you say, wow, your church must be thousands. <laughs> no. Wow, your church must be rich. No. It, it was miraculous how God started doing all of that. In the middle of all of that, we thought... Contractors were telling us $7.5 million project. We've got $5.5 million in the bank. We got it. We had a bank that was going to loan us the money. We just had to get the final bids. We were going to select our general contractor. This is after COVID now. Everything had, had started changing the landscape. We went from one night believing it was a $7.5 million project. Our church voted on it unanimously. Let's move forward, $7.5 million. We, the, the, the next day when we got the six bids back from the general contractors and these companies, it went from what they thought was going to be a $7.5 million project because of escalating costs, because of shipping increases and everything that changed in the landscape, it went from $7.5 million to $11.5 million, literally overnight. We went from needing $2 million to finish this project to needing $6 million. Well, I didn't feel comfortable 
just just continue to go forward. I knew we had voted on this project, but this project has now changed in scope. And so I brought it back to the church again. Our church once again voted unanimously. Let's go forward with this project. Vote ended. I went to the back of the auditorium and I kind of stood nervously. It's a little surreal. Like, wow, this is this is a big. I'm a little bit nervous. Standing in the back, there was an older lady. She's in her early 80s, sweet woman in our church. She came by. She saw me. I was nervously talking to people. I'm sure she sensed it in me. She looked at me and she said this. She said, Pastor, early 80s. She said, I've seen a lot of things. But God has never let me down. God has never let me down. I can't tell you how many times I've gone back to that comment that she made. I've seen a lot of things, she said, in my 80 plus years, but God has never let me down. I've never, one thing I've never seen is I've never seen God let me down. Can I tell you all this morning? Can I just encourage you this morning? Can I challenge you this morning? Can I just, don't go halfway. Don't run away from God. There's nothing worse than having one foot in your faith and one foot stiff-arming God. There's nothing worse than, than not being able to truly enjoy the blessing of God. There's something that is so sweet about God. I'm going to take a step here, and if, I don't, if you don't catch me, I will fall on my face. I think every step of faith God ever calls you to is a step that is outside of your comfort zone that in your opinion, in your belief, you'll never be able to do it unless God does something. I think that's when he's most honored and glorified. So, so can I ask you something this morning? How is your faith? Would you characterize yourself as a Jonah who is actively running away from God? You're one prayer away from being right with God again. Would you characterize yourself as someone today that doesn't know God? You, you could cry out to God this morning, and the Bible says that it doesn't matter what you have done in your past. He is faithful and just to forgive you. He will save you from your sin. Jesus Christ gave his life in your place. But, but maybe, and this is probably the majority of us in this room right now, maybe right now the Holy Spirit is pointing some things out in your, in your heart. Hey, this is not totally surrendered. Hey, uh, when it comes to evangelism, you're not, you're not the witness that you ought to be. When it comes to giving, you're not as generous and faithful as you ought to be. When it comes to uh, th this step of faith and that step of faith, you you've not quite been. And, and I wonder if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in that area. Can I just challenge you as, as somebody that is going through it just like you guys are, as somebody, as a pastor in Castle Rock, Colorado, that has days of great faith and then days of a lot of fear. Can I, can I just encourage you that in my 50 years, I could agree with David. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. Your pastor and his family came out to Moses Lake to start a church. It was a step of faith. You're the beneficiary of that.
our family, 2008, left Florida to go out to Castle Rock, Colorado. Didn't know anybody out there, started a church. And I can tell you this, in every step of our journey, in every step of the fountain's journey, I'm just telling you, God has proved himself to be faithful. He was faithful to me, faithful to him, faithful to a fish that he's preparing. I'm just telling you, he'll be faithful to you. Every head is bad and every eye closed for just a moment. In, in, in a moment, the piano's gonna play. There'll be an invitation. I just wonder if there's someone here right now that say, Pastor Tate, would you pray with me? There's something that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to my heart about. That there's something that, that in, in my spirit right now, I, I just know I have not completely surrendered. It's, it's evangelism, it's giving, it's, it's uh, but there's some habit, there's something. I, whatever that is, I just know it's a relationship I've not turned over, it's someone I've not forgiven. But whatever that is, I wonder how many right now would say, Pastor Tate, would you pray with me? No one's looking around or going to embarrass you, but you'd say, Pastor Tate, would you pray with me? The Holy Spirit spoke into my heart. I want to completely surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ today. Could you slip a hand up? That's true of you. Pastor Tate, the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart today. Could you slip it up for just a moment? Thank you. Are there others this morning? Pastor Tate, pray with, pray with me. Pray with me. Thank you. Pray with me. I, that there's something right now that the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to my heart about. And I want to give that to him this morning. Father, would you use this church, use this invitation? I, I pray, Lord, whether we come forward to the altar, whether you sit at our seats, I, I pray, Lord, before we leave today, we would be absolutely 100% surrendered to you. In Jesus' name we pray.